Hello all, welcome to the Lunar Sea Spire Cartoon Fan Podcast. This is episode 413, and today I'll be talking about Enchanting Gromfright from the Owl House. I'm GC13. I'm Soren. And I'm David. So this is the episode where we're going back in time so we can finish off the rest of season one. This is the episode where Luz realizes that they have a spooky version of prom on the Boiling Isles. However, instead of just a dance, it's a dance where someone has to face down Gromethius the Fearbringer, a monster that can make you live out your worst fear. And you face it lest it escape and make everyone on the Boiling Isles live out their fears. Amity is chosen as the Grom Queen, uh, much to her dismay, but Luz bravely volunteers to take her place. Misunderstanding what her own worst fear is, she thinks she's afraid of Ida thinking she's weak. But it turns out, when it comes time for the battle itself, that she's afraid of having to face her own mother with all of the lies she's been telling her. Yes, and the episode resolves with Amity and Luz working together to defeat the Grom monster. And the little, like, kind of subplot going on is that Amity's biggest fear is being rejected by Luz because Amity wanted to ask Luz to Grom with her and had the note ready to go but never had the guts to give it to her. But Luz does offer to go to Grom with her instead of whoever <laughs> she was planning on asking. Which is so sweet and such a funny little moment. But I really, like, this is the... I don't think it's the first... I think we had an episode prior in which Amity is, like, starting to crush on Luz, and then, like, here it's really, like, explicitly shown. But this was a great uh, Lumity episode with them together. It's still very definitely one-sided <laughs> for the meantime. <laughs> um, yeah, and oh my god! Luz being like several degrees of separation from understanding what's happening. <laughs> Just yes. being so cute, it's like, well, obviously the person who you really have a crush on must be a loser for not liking you back. Anyway, I'll go in instead, and it's just like, <laughs> That's oh, what honey. friends do. Yes, oh yeah, my god, and, that and, line. And which is funny, because once Luz starts to reciprocate the crush, she would not have had the guts to say that. Which is oh, a no. very adorably relatable moment, where the second you actually like somebody, being able to flirt with them becomes impossible. Because now you're so nervous. <laughs> yeah, what are they gonna think? You know, something I did not notice when I first watched Reaching Out, an episode that, David, you have not seen yet, but uh, the tree that they meet at at that episode is the same tree that results from the defeat of Grom in this one. And I may have noticed, I may not have, but if I did notice, it didn't really click into place. This time it clicked into place. I <laughs> I have questions about that magic, but also I want to give uh, Lou some credit here because, you know, yes, she can be naive and not catch the signs, but Amity is a strong... A, much stronger actor than I could ever be when it comes to, like, absolutely holding back and hiding your feelings from someone. Like, the way that Amity so casually reacts to, um, you know, like, there's no blush, there's no um, misgiving or hint that, you know, oh, yes, Luz, actually, you are the one that I wanted to ask. Like, Amity just plays it so chill. She's like, oh, you're offering... To dance with me? That sounds nice. Like, <laughs> so downplayed. Well, Luz is not offering to dance with her as her girlfriend, though, so... 
I mean, it's uh, not quite the same. Yeah, but like, it is. Is it not for her internally a little bit? Like, shouldn't Amity's heart be like fluttering, but she she plays it really cool. She's really good at playing it cool. Until she's not. She doesn't continue to succeed <laughs> at doing that, yeah. But right now, it's like, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd give Luz some credit. It's not, you know, completely painfully obvious yet. What's also not painfully obvious is what, what, okay, so how did they make a tree from dancing? What is that magic that Amity pulls out of? The, that was the plant magic that Luz enchanted the abomination okay, with. And so okay. the plant enchanted abomination charged into Grometheus and destroyed it from the inside by the tree growing. Okay, yeah, quite a combination. I guess I missed that, that glyph. Which glyph that was. Okay. That makes sense. That's cute that it becomes a permanent thing. I also like that they animate the little Grom. That's the same tree. That's the same tree that they have literally a season later. That, oh oh my god. I'm sorry, that only just clicked. Yeah, GC just came to that realization just a bit ago. Which is funny because I haven't seen this episode. But yeah. This show, who, who is like documenting all of this, like, this is so much effort to keep all of these little details in line. Did you see how much attention they lavished that fight scene with? It's really more of a dance scene. Right, it was scene. super important. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that's not a little detail. We should have looked up who animated that scene before well, we started recording. It is, it's the same animators that do each, um, it is separate, I think, from the primary studio that does this show. Um, I think it's actually the Hilda folks. It's distractingly fluid. Yeah, basically they just pay extra sometimes for scenes in this show, Um, (laughs) which, fine. Uh, Although I I haven't really seen anyone else do that, except for like Steven Universe that one time in the finale, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Hilda does it. Hilda sometimes they will just like bust out the frame rate and you're like, oh. This is fun. Some yeah. sometimes though it's but like, like for the kind of random scenes. Here is like extreme, you know. Like it stands out in every way, not just the fluidity or the change in you know whatever frame rate and stuff. But like literally, they're just like, oh, this night, um, here's like all the beautiful shadow from like the moonlight and stuff. So it's incredible. <laughs> I, I am just looking at an unused still. You know how they had the Grom memories where you had all the people taking their Grom photos, and they didn't put it into the episode, but they did uh, reveal it later, where Luz did get to get out the otter outfit, and you just see Amity just, she's smiling as Luz is, like, having the time of her life getting photographed in an otter outfit. Yeah, they had, like, a charity stream, and they showed that image. It was very cute. It's like, how did this not make it in? Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's one still frame. They probably could have squeezed it in somewhere. They had time for Mytholomew, but not for this. This is gold. (laughs) Mytholomew went to grab with someone, apparently. He got to dance with a girl. That's more than I expected out of the kid who first made his head giant. Yeah, and apparently M and Ed were stood up, as confirmed by Dana Terrace, which was adorable because it was mentioned before in a different episode that Ed was trying to get a date, but then both Ed and M get stood up by their respective dates. Uh, which I guess they have each other, <laughs> but that is um, an adorable piece of trivia I did not know until today. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm still trying to find out who animated <laughs> the freaking scene because I'm still obsessed with that. 
But luckily, this page got its own Wikipedia page, which I recently learned about what uh, the like requirements for notability on Wikipedia are. And it's not actually easy to get an independent article on uh, Wikipedia. You have to be able to source multiple news publications, which means that uh, Enchanting Grom Fright got that kind of coverage. No- nonetheless. <laughs> I mean, I had heard about this episode when I had no idea what the Owl House was about. Like, I thought this was going to be a much more Harry Potter boarding magic school kind of a situation. And even I had seen all the images of Amity and Luz dancing together there. Yeah, I thought it was just going to be Little Witch Academia too, but... (laughs) I mean, not the worst thing in the world. No, absolutely not. God, like, we're not getting a second season on that one, so we'll take what we can get sort of idea but yeah i mean i'll take two but they're ended up being quite different i would I would just like to as a small aside though say that something i don't see much credit given to enchanting romfright for though is how it revealed the king was right the snaggleback is the strongest demon on the boiling isles able to hang upside down from a rope using just his own grip for so long i think he's even one-handed at one point Oh, yeah, he was the disco ball. They didn't even bother to, like, tie him. He just has to hold onto it, which strikes me as so cruel. Yep, strongest demon on the boiling aisles. Put up a tarp, I'm gonna puke! <laughs> yeah, best best delivery in the episode of a line. <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't do a carry reference. I feel like that was just waiting to happen, but they did not do a carry reference. And they even uh, mentioned the bloodbath, like... Okay, where's my carry reference? You could have made him... He was gonna yarts, right? He could have yartsed on somebody, and that would have been the carry reference. You could have even had it shown off screen, and we would have gotten it. Listen, you can't have, like, a supernatural prom episode without referencing carry. Oh, clearly they just did. It was in their hearts. <laughs> hey, there was the, uh... That little clown thing that Gus was afraid of when they're playing with the pieces of Grometheus. <laughs> I liked that. Yeah, Gus being afraid of clowns. Everyone's afraid of clowns. Jeez. How, how did how did you guys feel about King's little moment in this episode that he has? Where he to... learns to <laughs> hype a crowd. Yeah, hype a crowd under the absolutely strangest circumstances and succeed despite completely weird advice from Gus. Like, go hey, local sports team. Everyone can cheer on the local sports team, even when we have to. Chase after the monster that it doesn't really make sense why Principal Bump would even organize this event around it in the first place. They should really just bury it. You know how tradition is, you know, like hundreds yeah. of years ago, somebody set up a habit and then it's like, oh, but if you get rid of it, it's part of the school's culture. And you're like, oh, Christ. Because <laughs> then you have the last generation of parents being like, when I was a kid, we did this and we were fine. And then nothing changes. So how old is the modern Hexide? Within Bump's lifetime. Yes, but I, I forget. I could have sworn there was some some time where he like actually says how old he is. I know that when the Greater Basilisk drains him, he makes a joke about just being a few hundred years away from retirement, but I'm pretty sure he would not actually live that long. I'm pretty sure under normal circumstances, witches do not live like significantly longer than humans. Yeah, that's that's the impression that I get, but I can't remember if we ever learn his proper age. Well, that would be a great visit to the wiki for... Unfortunately, I can't find the link. Here we go. Bump. Hieronymus Bump. <laughs> Did not remember his first name. 
Well, his, <laughs> the first name of his voice actor is named Bumper. So that was just a role made for him, I suppose. Now, you see, the funny thing about him being named Hieronymus Bump is every time I hear any character named Hieronymus, I think of the captain of the guard in Imperial City in Oblivion. Yes! Yes, the one you have to send to Anvil, because um, Hieronymus Lex. That's right, because he's such a blowhard. The Thieves' Guild questline was a phenomenal questline in Oblivion. Oh, that was... I mean, all of the questlines were really good Like, you know, guys, sorry, I know you're here for the Owl House, but let's go... <laughs> let's talk about that, what, 15-year-old video game? Oh, is it that old? Older. So, since we have Oblivion and the Owl House existing in one conversation, I just want to say Amity works great as a pure mage, but... Luz demonstrated that true battle mage style, blending her melee attacks with her uh, magical skills, uh, putting the ice on the flail. She does have that little hood, her little cloak, and it's blue like the battle mages at the Mages Guild in Oblivion. So yeah, Luz, a proper battle mage for one episode. I think Luz would love Oblivion. Oh, without a doubt. She'd be one of the people maintaining the Elder Scrolls wiki. <laughs> yeah, the, not, not, <laughs> not the wikia, the unofficial Elder Scrolls pages. U-E-S-T-E-S. My beloved. Absolutely nothing. Nothing compares. I don't want to hear any Skyrim wikia, Elder Scrolls wiki. No. No. We've no. had <laughs> the perfect wiki for the Elder Scrolls for ages. Nothing but respect for my veterans. <laughs> But oh yeah, Luz is for sure like a Reddit <laughs> moderator. Uh, I don't think she does Reddit. I think she did briefly and was like, I hate everybody on here and quit. I mean, yeah, you saw how she felt about neckbeards wearing fedoras. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one of her, her fears was um, people trying to debate her on the internet. <laughs> and I liked, I, I I never heard it before, but she's like, human souls in cat bodies. <laughs> That sounds great. Oh my god, that sounds great. I don't have to go to work anymore. You never thought that, GC, as a kid? I definitely had the like moment where I looked at a cat and I thought, what if there's a human soul trapped inside you? This is a legitimate thing. This is not a fake thing. Oh, he gets all of the head pats no matter what soul's in his body because he's adorable. <laughs> oh, no. You know what I'm most disappointed, though, about this episode? That Ida never tries on the red eyeshadow. Or maybe she did try it on and decided she couldn't pull it off. Ha! I don't know which would be worse. She did pull off her, you know, giant horror replica, though. I love that she comes out and her first thought is, <laughs> damn, I look good. Also, what's happening? <laughs> yeah, that is so Ida. I, I like how Ida's all set to watch a monster eat a kid. And then she's upset that, oh, I can't have fun when it's my kid being eaten. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is, that's how it is, you know. Well, they had a very similar plot line going on in Gravity Falls, where it's like, kids fighting, I can sell this. And they make that joke like eight separate times in the show. <laughs> the entertainment value of uh, children fighting. I just saw a tweet with like the uh, Stan watching the babies fighting <laughs> on, the, on some fight, show that's literally fight, like baby fight. fight. Somebody was yes. referencing it in, I don't know, like... Some two fandoms fighting over each other. Which show do you think is better? Baby fights or king fights? Remind me what king fights is. Oh, it's from Mau Mau. I couldn't answer you. Uh, I pick baby fights. 
I probably have to go with Baby Fights just because it seems like there's a higher production value to it. Like they give you subtitles so you know what the babies are saying to each other. <laughs> Whereas King Fights is literally just they cut right to the action and they're already slapping each other with their handkerchiefs. There's no, there's no build. And it's like as a wrestling fan, I know that a good match is great, but... You know, you you want the storytelling to make well, it... Well, the moral reprehensibility of making literal infants fight also adds to the entertainment factor. Significantly, I think. <laughs> if they weren't babies, it wouldn't be a joke. They it, Like, the joke hinges on the fact that they're babies, and it's funny that you're making them fight for entertainment. But they're little babies, so all they can do is little fat-fisted slaps. Yeah, kings have fought each other since time immemorial. There's nothing interesting about them fighting each other. Although I guess the Mau Mau version of King's fighting is pretty funny. It's more about their style of fighting in that case, right? Like, babies is just about the concept. So, there's our official opinion on... (laughs) Yeah, we would all rather watch babies fight than King's fight because we're terrible people. Once they grow teeth, it's not as fun anymore because they can actually, like, really hurt each other. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. There won't be any bleeding until then. Well, most of the time, even when they do have teeth, it's not enough to bleed. I'm pretty sure if Cody Rhodes was on Baby Fights as a baby, he would have been bleeding. The man bleeds in, like, every wrestling match he's ever in. GC, you are the only person here who watches wrestling. He- the man has a razor blade on him at all times, just in case he needs to add a little bit of color. To himself? It's glorious. Yes. Wrestlers never blade other people, they always blade themselves. You never blade another wrestler. GC, on God, you could be talking- complete nonsense that you are making up on the spot right now and i would have no way of knowing of course wrestlers go out there and cut themselves to look yeah, bloody they, for some they just viciously cut themselves and the last person standing wins <laughs> i read a scene like that in a the one of the aragon books had a scene that was literally exactly that <laughs> they stand in a room and cut each other and the last one standing wins i i never finished that series that sounds like Cody's ideal match. He'd, he'd be an undefeated champion. Who is Cody? Cody Rhodes, the American Nightmare. It sounds like a nightmare. Uh, segwaying to ni- other nightmares. Uh, okay, yeah, the way this episode ends is fun because, you know, we could have just been focusing on, you know, potential cute new, um, you know, pairing to follow, right? That definitely has, like, solid ground in the show. But no, they just completely... Throw us into yet another mystery, which is that Liz's mom's getting a bunch of letters from her, but not from her. Oh, yeah, that that confused me. That was uh, very foreshadowy. It's a pretty good one. Yeah, exactly. It's a pretty good, pretty good mystery. Like, oh, yeah. Well, the problem with it as a mystery is that there were no other clues. This is just them saying, we're going to address this later. Don't you worry. Yeah, yeah, it does have that aspect, but I'm completely okay with that. <laughs> but there was absolutely no way for you to know that it was a basilisk who had taken Luz's place. There was someone had taken Luz's place, but yet no idea who, no way of knowing. Yeah, I just like, it's so out of left field. Yeah, and and then the payoff for these little foreshadowings is like so far in the future. Like, I completely forgot about this entire plot thread until it was brought up again. And I'm like, wasn't there a thing about her at camp with a letters thing? And I had to go back and, like, remember what happened. Despite me watching most of these episodes consecutively, because this (laughs) show is, like, so insane on the tiny details. Like, there must be some giant board 
in or multiple giant boards to like keep the continuity straight because I could it could be so easy to like mess up some dates or some facts or get the timing wrong on these reveals because so many people work on this show. I guess that's why you have your cat herder in charge of the whole affair. But no human souls in the cats. That's disturbing. Yeah, except for the I'm still I'm hung up on the fact that somehow somebody's opening the door to the human world every time Luz like texts her mom, but it's fine. I'm sure that detail is completely handled. I kinda wish they had gone more amphibia in the commitment though, and just uh said, yeah, the phones work for some reason, you know. Or well, amphibia's case is it's just that the battery works forever. But I would have been okay with the cell signal. I want to know that they had her USB charging cable coming in through the door, but that was an old pre-electricity house. So <laughs> where is that cable plugged into? Wait, is there electricity shown? Are they like, do they have an extension cord and they're stealing someone's power? Like it's Aqua Teen Hunger Force or something? Wait, they don't have electricity on the Boiling Isles, do they? They don't actually have like... Like, they have modern technologies based on Yeah, but they're not going to have the American three-pronged outlet. Yeah. Yeah, the cable was coming through the door, so she's stealing power from someone. Even if that house did have electricity, you know, wired into it, I'm pretty sure no one's paying the bill. That's not how Ida rolls. Holes everywhere. That's what I'm here to, you know, really reinforce. Yeah, I'm looking. This door, like, obviously they're trying to be, like, phones don't work normally unless the door is there because it becomes a plot point later that Luce can't get in contact with her mom. Right. But she is still able to charge her phone after the door is broken. Right? Like, there are multiple... Like, she records a video and, like, does other stuff with her phone that presumably take up quite a bit of power, and she's able to charge it again. So either she has some sort of solar panel thing going, and, like, a (laughs) portable battery, which I imagine Ida, with her very loose grasp of private property, has nabbed a few from the human realm, I could believe that. (laughs) But after this point, they make no effort to explain how her phone is working. Yeah. The power of positive (laughs) thinking. Yeah, that's that's where it does share um, the amphibia mindset, which is fun, and I'm fine with, like, you know, we're not going to explain it if we don't think that's important, right? Like, there's way other kinds of lore and, like, world building we can do that are much more interesting than explaining power. But I just find it funny that they even use the phone. But, I mean, her phone's not important. Well, right, exactly. She could like, have just started keeping a diary. Yeah. And then uh, that could have been, I don't think you've seen the episode where that becomes important. Never mind. Yeah, David somehow not caught up with the Owl House. I'm, I'm, I'm going to revel watching the finale a solid year and a half after it has actually aired and just like having a genuine reaction to it on a podcast episode it's gonna be very strange and truly unique if it hasn't been completely and entirely spoiled by then i can't believe Bellos was secretly king's father this whole time <laughs> that would be so 100 percent true <laughs> Completely and entirely without fault or mistake. Anyway, guys, that's it for us on Enchanting Rum Fright. Join us next week. Until then, I'm GC13. I'm Soren. And I'm David. Leave us a comment or a review. Later, everybody. Bye!
Our opening and closing music is by Mark Soto. For more cartoon-related content, please visit LunarCeasefire.com.